If this is your first Sunday back in a while, and I know that it is for some of you, welcome, welcome home. We are so glad to have you back with us. And I know that, or I suspect that next week, uh, as we restart our Bible classes, that we will have even more people who will be coming back for the first time. And so maybe they're watching at home this morning. So whether you're at home watching online or you're here this morning, whether you're a member or you're a guest, welcome. I love you. I appreciate every single one of you. I was reflecting this past week on the fact that uh, this past week marked 20 years for me in ministry. 20 years ago, uh, this last week, I started youth ministry in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I, I tell you that to say that, and I know it's true for a lot of us, that the last 14 months have been harder than the previous 19 years put together, I think. That this has, by far, for me, I don't know about for you, but by far, in the last 20 years, this has been the hardest year. But as I think back on this past year, and I think about all of the grief and all of the heartache and all of the frustration, all of the sadness, all of the pain, all of the struggle, I am still so very grateful. And I am, I am grateful I am grateful, I'm maybe even most grateful for the thing that, for me, makes this past year the hardest. So the thing that made it the hardest is actually the thing for which I'm the most grateful. And for me, the thing that made it the hardest, and again, the thing for which I'm most thankful, is that it has revealed my weaknesses. It has revealed to me so many of my own struggles, so many of my own shortcomings, so many of my own weaknesses. That's what trials do. That's what trials do, isn't it? Trials reveal our weaknesses. They show us where those weaknesses are. They're always there. They don't create weaknesses, but trials expose our weaknesses. They reveal our weaknesses. They bring you right up to the brink of what you can and can't do. And they show you what you can't do. They show you where you are weak. So that's what trials do. Trials expose and reveal our weaknesses. Weaknesses that might otherwise have remained hidden. There but hidden. So we can be incredibly thankful for trials because they reveal and expose our weaknesses. But that's also where growth begins. That's also where growth begins because you cannot grow until your weaknesses are exposed. There is no way to gain strength. There is no way to gain strength without exposing your weaknesses. There is no way to grow in strength. There is no way to gain strength unless your weaknesses are first exposed, unless they're revealed. Now, we have a couple of options, don't we? When our weaknesses are revealed and exposed, we can, in anger and in denial, say, no, that's not my weakness, that's your weakness. That, that's you, that's, that's this problem, that's this situation. And we can deflect and we can deny and we can get angry and we can try to hide those weaknesses or we can be grateful that they've been exposed and we can begin the hard work of growth. But this is one of the reasons that growth is so very hard. Nobody likes their weaknesses revealed. Nobody likes their weaknesses exposed. It's hard, isn't it, to realize I can't do that very well. I'm not very good 
at that. I struggle with that. This is a weakness of mine. None of us like to admit that. None of us like for that to be revealed. None of us like for that to be exposed. I know that I don't, but until it is revealed, until it is exposed, you can't grow. I can't grow. I won't grow until I accept the fact I need to grow in this area. So, for you, how about, how about you? How about the last 14 months? What weaknesses have been revealed in you? <laughs> not, not what weaknesses have been revealed in them, in other people. I, I know that's where our mind is, has a tendency to go, doesn't it? And we say, yeah, I, I don't know about me, but I know about those people. Those people, they, I see their weaknesses. No, 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 we're not talking about them. We're talking about us. We're talking about our our own lives and our own families and and looking in the mirror and saying what weaknesses have been revealed and exposed in me and where do I need to grow? And in fact, in fact, we can be incredibly grateful for the last 14 months because if it hadn't been for the last 14 months, maybe those weaknesses might not have ever been revealed to you. Those weaknesses that you had, I had, they're real but they might not have been exposed. They might not have been revealed. And so we can say, thank you, God, that I went through this trial because this has revealed to me where I need to grow and how I need to grow. Now, we can hide them again, and we can go on about life as normal and just kind of pretend that we didn't see that and that wasn't exposed and that wasn't revealed, or we can begin the hard work of dealing with our weaknesses so we are better prepared for whatever comes next. And that's what this series is all about. This series is all about growth as families thinking about where do we need to grow? How do we need to grow? And this year has given us a tremendous gift because it has revealed to us some of the areas in which we need to grow if if we are brave enough and courageous enough and faithful enough to actually consider those things and say, I need to do the hard work of growing in our families. In fact, we might be, we might be better husbands and wives and mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, whatever role you play in the family, you might be better now having gone through the last 14 months than you ever would have been had you not gone through that. We can throw away this gift of the exposure and the revealing of our weaknesses or we can embrace it and be grateful for it and begin the hard work of growth. And our text that we've been looking at for the last few weeks is 2 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 3. And this is the foundation of growth. For you as an individual, for your family, for your role in your family, this is the foundation of the growth. This is the foundation. Verse 3, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. Now notice those words, through them. Through them. Through them you have and can become partakers in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. Through them, through, through what? Through what can you become? And through what can you escape? Through these precious and very great, what? Promises, promises, promises. That is such an important word. 
promises. The promises of God. The promises of God are the means by which this transformation happens. The promises of God are the means by which your transformation will happen. Your transformation is possible, but it's only made possible by these promises. Now, Peter uses this word promise, this particular Greek word for promise. He uses it twice in 2 Peter. The other time is in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 13, which says, according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So taking what he says in 2 Peter 3 and what he says in 2 Peter 1, we could say that the results of God's promises are that we will, one, partake in the divine nature. We will partake in the divine nature. In other words, we will become like God. Do we realize and recognize that when we are raised from the dead, we will be immortal, imperishable, incorruptible, That's what we will become. We will become like God in that we will be immortal and imperishable and incorruptible. So by his promises, these are the results of his promises, that we will be partakers in the divine nature. Number two, we will escape the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desires. And then three, we will receive new heavens, new earth in which righteousness dwells. These are our promises. And you say, well, what is this? What is this about promises, about becoming partakers in the divine nature and escaping the corruption that's in the world and receiving new heavens and new earth? What does that have to do with transformation? I'd say it has everything to do with that. It has everything to do with that. Tim Keller said this, what we believe about our future, what we believe about our future completely controls how we experience our present What we believe about our future completely controls how we experience our present. Here's a a story, a a metaphor. Imagine, Imagine, if you will, two people that both are given the same job, okay? Same job, like same working environment. They're gonna work in the same room, doing the exact same tasks, same responsibilities, same boss, same environment, same time off, same benefits. Everything is the same, except Except one person is promised that if you work the entire year, 365 days, you work the whole year, you will get $50,000. And the other person is promised that if you work the whole year, you will get $50 million, right? One person is promised $50 million, one person is promised $50,000 for the exact same job in this exact same environment, the exact, everything is the same except the promise at the end. Now, which of the two do you think is more likely to invest their whole self into their job? And to say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to quit on this thing. I'm going to invest all that I am and all that I have to seeing this thing through to the end. Which of the two is more likely to do that? Which of the two is likely to be more faithful? Is likely to persevere more? Is likely to have more steadfastness? Which one is more likely to be persistent, to say, I'm not giving up? They're both going to have bad days, right? They're both going to have frustrations. They're both going to have disappointments. Things are going to happen, and they're going to get frustrated. But the person who has the greater promises 
is more likely to see it through to the end. What we believe about our future completely controls how we experience our present. What you believe about the future completely controls how you experience the present. Whether or not you believe that you can change and should change, whether or not you believe there is hope for the future, it determines whether or not you persevere in the present. How we are living and how we are experiencing our present situation, whatever our present situation is, and the decisions that we're making, it's shaped by what we believe about the future. And that's why Peter begins here, because he wants his audience to persevere. And if they're going to persevere, if they're going to be steadfast, if they're going to remain faithful to Jesus and keep growing, keep growing, keep growing, keep getting stronger, keep getting better, keep being drawn closer and closer to Jesus, if they're going to do that, then they have to understand the precious and great promises that God has given to us. Because it's by these, it's by these promises that we become partakers in his divine nature and that we escape the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. Now, look at verse 5. And here's the text we've been thinking about. Adding to. You have this, this foundation of faith. We have faith. You believe in Jesus. Good. You believe that he's the son of God. Good. You, you want to be his disciple and follower. Good. You've committed yourself in faith to him. Good, he says, for this reason, because of these promises, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness. Steadfastness, that's a good word, isn't it? And it's a word we all need to hear. It's a word every single family needs to hear. We need to be steadfast, to keep going, to, to not, to not, quit, to not give up, to not change, to keep going. No, no matter how frustrating it is, no matter how disappointing it is, that we keep persevering, we keep being persistent, we keep being steadfast. And Peter says, add to your faith virtue, and add to your virtue knowledge, to your knowledge self-control, and to your self-control steadfastness. Keep persevering and keep growing in steadfastness. And, and I would say that in our culture, steadfastness, being persistent, and persevering, not quitting, it's kind of countercultural, isn't it? In our culture, it's kind of countercultural to be steadfast. And I think part of the reason is because we have so many options for everything. For everything, there's so many options. You go to the grocery store lately? I mean, used to, I, I remember when I was a kid, I'd go to the grocery store, if you wanted something to drink, like Coke or water or whatever, I mean, there was like one aisle for bottled drinks, whatever they were, Coke and Dr. Pepper and Pepsi, you know, all of the, but now you've been to Kroger lately? I mean, there's like seven aisles of different options. Two of those aisles are just waters. I mean, there are so many options to everything. You don't like your streaming service. Well, drop that streaming service and get this streaming service. You don't like your cable. Drop that and do this. And there's so many options to everything. If you don't like it, just quit and get something else. You don't like it, just drop that and get something else. 
Always, every commercial that comes on TV says your life is miserable, so stop doing it the way you're doing it and grab something else. Get our product, get our service, and we'll make your life better. And we've adopted that way of thinking in almost every area of our life. This doesn't suit your fancy. This isn't fulfilling all your needs and your wants and your desires. We'll stop and grab something else. And so for the gospel to call us to grow in steadfast and severe, be steadfast. I know it's hard. I know you want to give up. I know you want to throw in the towel. I know you want to quit. I know you want to stop this and go and grab something else. I know that makes all kinds of other promises. But remember the promises that Jesus made to us. Remember the promises that are yours in Christ Jesus if you will persevere. You may know that, that Japanese children tend to score higher in, in math tests and standardized math tests Japanese children tend to score higher than American children and and there may be a lot of different reasons that that's true but there were some researchers that wanted to know why is this is it because they just naturally have a higher IQ than American children and so they they did this experiment where they gave them a puzzle that was incredibly difficult and they weren't really concerned about who could solve the puzzle what they wanted to find out was how long will they continue to do this puzzle before they quit? How long will they persevere before they give up? How long will they be steadfast? And they found that after 9.47 minutes, the American children called it quits, and the Japanese children quit after 13.93 minutes. In other words, the Japanese children persisted 40% longer. They persisted 40% longer. Sometimes it's not about IQ, it's just about persistence. It's not about being stronger or smarter. It's just about we have to keep going. We have to be steadfast. We have to persist. We have to persevere. It's the only way to succeed at anything. When you start anything, something feels novel. It's exciting. It's different. It's new. And for a while, it's, it's fairly easy. And we call that the honeymoon period, right? And that's true in marriage. And it's true in a lot of areas of our life. And things are pretty easy because it's new and it's novel and it's exciting. But after a while, the new and the novel and the exciting sort of wear off. And things get hard and things get mundane and we get bored or we get stressed or we get discouraged. And our tendency is to give up and to surrender, to throw in the towel. But as Christian families, we must be cultivating a spirit of persistence a spirit of perseverance, a spirit of steadfastness, not just in our relationship with God, but in our relationship with each other too. Because sometimes this horizontal relationship is, is some of the most difficult, isn't it? These horizontal relationships with the church, these horizontal relationships in our families, these horizontal relationships with our neighbors, these horizontal relationships all over the place are hard and challenging and difficult. And it's really easy to just say, ah, you frustrate me. I'm going to leave you and go get other friends. I'm going to leave you and go be with someone else. I'm going to leave you and go and do this thing over here because it's just too hard to persevere. And Jesus wants us to know. Peter wants us to know about our relationship with Jesus. That if we are going to be fruitful, if we are going to be effective, if we are going to be followers of Jesus, 
then we must grow in steadfastness. Look at what he says in verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. I think about the parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 18 about the parable of the soils. Do you remember? Jesus has this parable and he says that the the seed is like the word of God and and the, the sower sows the seed on various soils. And he explains that it's like when the word of God falls on the path, it's like the people that hear the gospel, they hear the word, but then the devil comes and snatches it up even before they believe. But, but then there's, there's some that falls on the rock. And these are people that believe for a while and then in a time of testing, fall away. In a time of testing, fall away. See, that's what testing can do. That's what trials do. They either make us stronger or we quit. We either decide, I'm going to persist. I'm going to grow. I'm not giving up. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to push on as hard as it is. And as much as it uh, it pains me to do it, I'm going to press on. Or we say, I quit. And Jesus says, unfortunately, there's going to be the word that falls on rocky soil. And there are going to be some people who believe for a while. And in times of trial, they fall away. And then he says some falls in the thorns. And he says that these are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. But then he says, then there's some that falls on good soil. And he says that they hold the word fast. They hold fast. They hold fast to the word in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with, here's the word, patience. They bear fruit with patience. Bearing fruit requires patience. Bearing fruit requires perseverance. Bearing fruit requires persistence. Bearing fruit requires steadfastness. You don't grow fruit overnight, right? You don't grow fruit overnight. One time my dad and I planted a a peach tree at our house And we moved before it ever grew any peaches because it takes a long time before that tree is ready to bear fruit. But we came back years later and the family that lived in the house then was eating the fruit of the tree that we planted. Bearing fruit takes time. You're only going to bear fruit with patience. You're only going to bear fruit with steadfastness. You're only going to bear fruit with persistence. You cannot quit. Peter says, if we're growing in these qualities, then we will neither be ineffective nor unfruitful. And think about how that applies to our families. A family who lacks fortitude lacks fruit. A family that lacks fortitude lacks fruit. A family that lacks perseverance lacks fruit. And we've all had times, haven't we? We've all had times where things have gotten hard, so we just quit because it was easier just to quit just to go on, just to move on, just to choose something else or do something else. And we have to be really intentional about cultivating a spirit of perseverance in our families, in our homes, no matter our role in the family. Look at verse 10. He says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, steadfastness being one, if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. 
For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. None of us want to fall, do we? None of us want to fall. None of us want our family to fall. None of us want to throw in the towel and quit and give up. But along the way, it gets hard. Things get hard. And we have to be intentional about cultivating a spirit of perseverance, steadfastness, persistence, forbearance, patience, where we keep going and we stick with it and we don't give up just because something isn't exciting anymore. We don't give up just because something isn't fun anymore. We don't give up just because something isn't novel anymore. We don't give up just because something is hard. We persevere. And if these qualities are ours, we will never fall. But here's the thing. We have countless opportunities to quit, don't we? Countless opportunities to quit, but every time there's an opportunity to quit, there's also, also an opportunity to grow in steadfastness. Every time, every time you're tempted to quit, every time something says, you know what, I ought to just give up. This is just too hard. This is just too hard. I don't like it anymore. It's not fun anymore. I just don't see the point anymore. Every time you have the opportunity to quit, you also have the opportunity to grow in steadfastness. We grow in steadfastness. We grow in steadfastness every time we could quit, but instead we recommit. Every time we could quit, but we recommit. Every time we have an opportunity to quit, every time we have a chance to quit, every time we have a reason to quit, every time we have a temptation to quit, but instead of quitting, we say, I'm going to recommit myself. I'm going to recommit myself to Jesus. I'm going to recommit myself to his people. I'm going to recommit myself to my family. I'm going to recommit myself to these people. I'm going to recommit myself to doing what I should be doing. Every time we have an opportunity to quit, but instead of quitting, we recommit, we grow in steadfastness. We grow in steadfastness when we could quit, but we recommit. And so this week, this week you're going to have tons of opportunities, tons of opportunities, countless opportunities to quit. But with every opportunity to quit, there's also an opportunity to recommit, an opportunity to say, no, I will persevere. And every time you persevere, every time you push through when it's hard and you don't really want to, but you know you should, you know that Jesus is calling you to, and you persevere in doing the right thing when it's the hard thing, you grow in steadfastness. And you set an example for your family. You help to cultivate within your home a spirit of steadfastness, a spirit of perseverance, where we continue to persevere because of the promises of God, because we believe the promises of God and those promises shape how we live in the present. And if we're ever tempted to give up and to quit and we ever need a reason, if we ever need a reason to keep going, a reason to persevere, a reason to be steadfast, then keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, on his promises and on his perseverance. Because as he went to the cross, not just on the day he went to the cross, but throughout his ministry, as he went to the cross, he didn't quit. If he had quit, you and I could not receive his promises. If he had quit, none of us would be here. If he had quit, none of us would have experienced the transformation we've already experienced. If he had quit, none of us would receive the promises that he has to give us. If he had quit, none of us, none of us would live. All of us would die. 
But because he persevered, because he was steadfast, we can live forever. So when we're tempted to quit, let's reconsider and recommit. And so maybe there's somebody here this morning and you're ready to commit to Jesus for the first time in your life by being baptized into him or you need to recommit yourself to him. Or if there's anything we can pray with you about or help you with, we are here to help you as together we stand and sing this song.